Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers Podcast, live from the Buggy Down Bronx. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our co-host today. Dave Anderson, in Jury City. And our producer. William Jeffries, in Seoul, South Korea. And today, we'll be talking about Bug Bash. It's probably the best party you'll ever have as a software engineer at work. And we're going to talk about what it is, when to do it, and what the process looks like. Gotta smash those bugs. The only good bug is a dead bug. That is correct. Before we begin, we got William on the line again from Seoul. How's it going? How are you? It's going all right. Just like recovering some from some food poisoning. I had some blowfish. Oh, man. Oh, boy. It's <laughs> <laughs> really tempting fate. <laughs> I did not know that I was going to be eating blowfish. The restaurant apparently only serves blowfish. <laughs> so you got surprise blowfish. <laughs> I got surprise blowfish. Yes. Oh, man. So you're fighting off your own personal bug that you're dealing with. I hope that you recover as soon as possible. I hope that you bash that bug. You know? Yes. If you got <laughs> stomach bug. What was it called in Korean? Boku? Bokio. 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 All right. Don't go chasing Bokio. Stick yeah. to the rivers and the bubogi that you're used to. Have you got any tips or feedback on how to come back and feel better after some after feeling Bokio? <laughs> feel uh, free to tweet us, gotta, please. Yeah. <laughs> that would be good. Or is it just yeah, I think William would love to know. Yeah, much appreciated. How to crush this bug. But we're talking about bug bashing today. First and foremost, we could start by defining what is a bug bash. What is a bug? I don't. I don't even know what a bug is. I've never, never had one of those. I think when when we were, <laughs> I write perfect code for the first time every time. Right. Well, the term goes back many, many moons ago. When we were writing this outline, I was really curious as to why is it called the bug in the first place. And apparently, when computers were the size of a room, William at that time, who writes perfect code, may have written perfect code. It was still possible that a bug could go into the machine and mess up the electromechanical parts of the computer. If you look up software bug, you'll probably see a picture of a moth that was stuck in a computer, which caused it to do weird things. So that is probably why it's called a bug till this day. Kind of happy we don't have to deal with that anymore. Right. So if you write perfect code, then you may not have to worry about bugs anymore. But if you were writing perfect code, but it's like in 1970, you're you're probably going to have to fight bugs with a bug swaddler or something like that. I don't know what that's called. <laughs> what was the name of the woman who invented the term debugging? You guys remember? She's like an admiral. Grace, Grace Hopper? Hopper? Grace Hopper. Yes, Grace Hopper. Oh, yeah, they are. Properly attributed to Grace Hopper in the 1940s, according to Wikipedia. There you go. Yeah, she was doing like COBOL back in the day. Writing them COBOLs. Actually, that was probably pre-COBOL. She did COBOL later. Didn't she invent COBOL or something? <laughs> it's possible. Very, very, very much possible. We can definitely do the googly moogly uh, that led to the COBOL language. That is correct. We're fast typers over here at the <laughs> rabbit hole, um, especially doing it live since we're home in front of our computers doing this. Uh, we're right. all hope you're uh, safe. Way <laughs> you, more distractions. Oh, yeah. So Googleable. So what is a bug bash? Now we know that we can we have bugs that we need to bash, not physically anymore with a moth, kinks in our code that we need to fix. Yeah, so I guess the idea of a bug bash is that before you have a big release, you want to get the software in front of as many eyes as possible to try and see if there are any edge cases that you might have missed, any problems that might still exist. You would just try to 
have people play with the code, try to break it, and record the findings. Play with the code or play with the app? Play with the app. With the application up, you can have a group of individuals going to the website, to the application, and playing with it and making sure that everything is fine, especially when you have a big release. And I think the way in which you run the bug bash can determine how often people will come to help you in finding these bugs so that you're less likely to introduce these bugs to your user when it comes time to release it to the world. I think we mentioned before, when would be a good time to run the bug bash? If you have a really, really big feature, you want to get it to as many eyes as possible before releasing it, it tends to be a good time when you want to run a bug bash and everyone gets a chance to play with the application and make sure that if there are any particular edge cases that weren't caught by the engineering team, then it gets documented and then that can also be worked on before you release it to your users. Yeah. And just to note, this is not a substitute for proper testing and QA and all that good stuff. Like you you still need a good software development process with unit tests and integration tests. Also, if you are releasing a huge feature that has you so scared that you take everybody in the company and have them try and break it, maybe you should not roll this feature out to all of your customers all at once. Right. Like feature flag that, do some beta testing. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for having, like trying as much as possible to do an incremental rollout. Like we were talking in episode 154 about releasing as a, as a big bang release and some alternatives to that. So, you know, Bug Bash can be helpful if you have to do it, but definitely consider some alternative patterns for releasing software. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can do both. You can feature flag it and roll it out to 1% of your users and also do a Bug Bash. Yeah, so you don't have to do it. It's not exclusive to having a bug bash. You can do it in many different ways as well. Yeah, totally. Is there any time that like we wouldn't want to have a bug bash? I think with what William said before, pretty much the bug bash is there to find bugs that may have gone through the system, but you need to make sure that once those bugs are caught, that they're part of the automated testing suite, that it's test-driven to make sure that it doesn't happen again. You don't want to heavily rely on manual QA process for your application when it could be done automatically. This could be very useful given if you had the interval of like once a quarter or periodically when you release a new feature, having a bug bash every two weeks could be very costly at the end when you could have used that time to be building up the new feature. Also, like probably the day before a major launch or press release. (laughs) Yeah, just sounding the alarm. Oh my God, get in here. (laughs) You don't want to bug bash then. Try to do it as early as possible before the release where you can catch those bugs safely and then have it part of your QA process. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the actual process. Suppose I now know about bug bashing and I want to try one of those for a feature that I'm going to that we're going to release. How do you start this bug bashing process? I guess the first step is just picking some kind of a date and time that works for a good amount of people, planning it maybe like a week in advance, letting everybody know, like picking out who's going to be part of your audience or part of the participants for the bug bash and setting aside that time for the core group of people to be there to support that. Yeah, and I think if you have full-time QA people or people who specialize in QA, involving them in a leadership role and organizing can be really helpful because 
there's actually a lot of nuance and subtlety that goes into testing things properly, knowing how to write a test scenario. Also familiarity with the bug tracking system and also familiarity with the expected behavior of the application, which could be confusing for... If you're making a call to everybody in the whole company, like Bill from accounting may not actually know how to use the app and what it is supposed to do. And some things may look like bugs that to a, a customer with some domain knowledge actually seem quite normal. Right. Yeah. Definitely need to make sure that if you are like including people who aren't domain experts, like they're new to it, you're able to support them with the presence of a subject matter expert who can like guide them through that or like some good documentation of like a overview of what kind of features might be available, what the general expected behavior might be. If you have a full-time QA person, you know, they can use that opportunity to teach people about this stuff. And that can be really helpful for engineers who maybe haven't had as much experience with different kinds of testing, like input testing and all those things that QA engineers do or think about when they're trying to break an application. Mm, Totally. Yeah. It's definitely like a good time since you're bringing people together. Any other time that you bring people together, like to do context sharing. So people will learn about this new feature, about how it's expected to behave. And also like learn, like you're saying, like the general process of what a a good test looks like, how to QA and think about breaking something. Just want to mention that it's also the idea that this could be for both tech and non-tech people. Just know that when you send the invites that you have the right people that are there, but that doesn't mean that they both have to be in the tech space or in the team to be a part of this. So the invites are out and the next thing you would want is like a place to do it. I guess before BC, right? Like before coronavirus, we would have it in a meeting room where we would be able to have everyone show up to the same space comfortably would be the idea to have a bug bash. If you've got, you know, a number of people that can fit into a room together. If you're, if it's a super big company, maybe everybody is at their desks and you have like a video call going. Yeah, video, even now video call would definitely be good. Like just having like one definitive place where if you are bashing books, then this is the place where you can communicate via a Slack channel or a video call. Yeah, I think the I've only been invited to a bug bash two or three times. And I think the way that we have ran it was everyone had their machines like in front of them as they were using the application. And when a bug was found and it was you were able to repeat the bug on the laptop is when you would do it in the room so that everyone kind of sees the process and then have a conversation as to why that bug happened in the first place. I thought that that was like really cool because then everyone can asynchronously use the app and how they see fit. And then when the bug happened, that's when they were able to then show it to everyone to see what the deal is. And then you have the technical conversation as to why it's happening. And then you have the QA person in there that could write the ticket or the project manager to determine like whether it's high priority to fix right now or be able to do that later like that kind of stuff happened after the big tv reveal yeah that's something to celebrate too right since it's a a big group activity it's a good opportunity to like kind of focus on fun and team culture like team bonding so like if you have like a big tv where you're sharing this bug then that's a good way to celebrate like hey we're doing what we set out to do we're finding issues that we can address and make our software better 
Yeah, definitely. So if you have everyone in the room finding bugs, you got to make it fun. I've been in bug bashes that had pizza. Everyone loves pizza. That's a thing that people eat. It's, <laughs> it's good and nutritious. I think it's Beverages the also of the food pyramid. It's actually a food pizza, I guess, right? They yeah, revised. Yeah, exactly. This, they, <laughs> the food they, pyramid their, is, they revised it. It's actually a pizza. Yeah. No, the food <laughs> pyramid is in the shape of a slice. So it, it has to. <laughs> it's it. But there's like usually food and beverages, prizes also, right? Like if someone's able to find the most bugs, like, yay, you get Amazon gift card. Thanks for finding them. We'll we'll get to work and fix those things before we release it to the users. If you think about it, like the $50 in a gift card up front to someone is still less expensive than your users, right? You could have hundreds of thousands of users seeing this very same bug too. So you mitigate it. Right. It's a really small cost. How much is a developer hour of work and all that, like, or all the other hours of time that people could have wasted with faulty software? And that's something you can do even now if you're not able to, like, share food or a tasty beverage. You know, you can still have a gift card for a food delivery or online shopping, what have you. I mean, when you're at home, you control your food and beverages yourself. You got no one stopping you. <laughs> so enjoy the bug bash as much as you can when you're at home. Um, but the prizes can still be done electronically. And as we mentioned before, you know, suppose you do find a bug. That's when collecting that information about the error that everyone was able to witness and replicate. If it's valid, then we as a team have to figure out what are the ways to fix this bug and like what are some of the things we would have to do so that we can fix it before we release it to our users. Right. Having some kind of standard form, like a Google form or a spreadsheet that they can enter all the relevant information about like what environment am I seeing this bug in? What were the steps I took to reproduce it? What did I expect to see and what did I actually say? Just those like kind of basic things that you need in order to like reproduce and understand what the problem actually is. So I imagine if you have like a big TV or a screen share, that's like a good time to like kind of walk through and capture like all those things so that when you're triaging the bug and prioritizing it, then you can have developers work on it later. So at Bug Bashes, you guys have been to how much of the emphasis was on finding the bugs and how much was the emphasis on fixing them? I think there was a lot more emphasis on finding them. The way that it ran, we try to find as many bugs as possible for like an hour, got them on a list. Like Dave mentioned, it was like a Google Sheets. And then the project manager was in the room and the product manager was in the room for us to determine the user story that needed to be written and what priority needed to take within those bugs. And then starting the sprint, the next sprint, we pulled those tickets in in that order. Yeah, I think same in my, my experience. We just kind of, I think the last, but it's been a long time since I've done one, but the last time that I did a bug bash, we were working on a storefront for ordering pizza. And so part of our bug bash was ordering multiple pizzas. <laughs> And so we started with pizza and then we ended up with even more pizza. But, you know, we were just going through the process over and over again and trying to figure out what the edge cases were, logging the bugs. Did you end up delivering a ton of pizzas to your place and then that was the food? Yeah, that was like a regular thing where like somebody was like, oh, I had to test a feature. So there's a pizza. <laughs> um, it's nice. like 10 a.m. <laughs> 
Nice. Somebody please eat my bug pizza. Oh, man. I mean, that doesn't sound appetizing, but... Oh, yeah. But yes. (laughs) (laughs) Not bug pizza. (laughs) What about you, William? I think similarly, the emphasis uh, primarily on finding bugs. And then I think well-run bug bashes, there's like some kind of an expectation already set before hand about how much time you're going to spend on on fixing bugs like what bugs actually have to be fixed and which ones can live on the backlog for a while if you don't have a plan then sometimes people can sort of panic and be like oh my god there are all these bugs we can't launch (laughs) oh no i mean we knew that there were a lot of bugs there have always been bugs there will always be bugs oh yeah (laughs) in the beginning there was bugs there was bugs and they were crushed and then they appeared again. <laughs> right. You got to have some sort of a system. You should have categories for different levels of severity of a bug. And some mm. sense of what is the release blocker and what is critical and, and what is you know major and what is minor. Right. Yeah. Understanding what the impact and maybe the potential like complexity of the fix is going to be. I, I like that point that you said about having someone on hand who is going to make that call that's kind of something that we didn't go into too much depth but you know it's good to have someone who's like owning this like some kind of different roles around how you're going to facilitate the bug bash so uh, there's a pretty good article um a blog post from user snap that we can link in the show notes there's actually a bunch of good blog posts out there. We can link a couple of them, but they suggest some different roles that I don't think I've had such formal roles in the past, but like, I think it's a good general structure where like one person's the bug master. They're like kind of facilitating and keeping people on track. There's the testers, like the people who are invited and someone might be responsible for like managing the backlog of bugs and asking for clarification if there's missing information people like setting up environments and making sure that the people who are doing the testing are not blocked by anything. Those all seem like pretty reasonable roles. Yeah, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but I I think I'm a big fan of bug budgets. It is normal for there to be bugs in any system. And the amount of and severity of those bugs is something that you should be managing. A million minor bugs will still create a bad user. Right. So, you know, it's not like just because the bug is minor that you don't have to address it. But at the same time, it's like even a major bug that there is a workaround for may need to live in production for some period of time if there are other more pressing things that the company needs to prioritize. Having some sort of logic to that so that it it isn't like some product manager making a call and then getting in trouble later for somebody disagreeing with them, Mm -hmm. I think it's helpful. Like having some kind of buy-in from management and the stakeholders about like what it means to be releasing quality software. I think another thing that we touched on before is like having some documentation so it's like accessible for people to get started quickly with like minimal you know, effort from the people running the bug bash. Do you guys have some thoughts on like things that might be good to include in that kind of a getting started document? I guess like what to bring, what you're expected to do, maybe like case by case or like feature by feature, you would have the, the feature overview of the particular bug bash that'll probably be in the invitation. Uh, will be a little different than every other invitation, but just like the general rules, 
I think you mentioned before, like if you have roles that you want to assign to people, just like a description of what each role is tend to do so that the, the person who is reading the documentation gets an understanding of what are they expected if they are X role. When everyone gets an understanding of what they expected to do, when we start the bug batch, like everyone's ready to go, essentially. Yeah, that totally makes sense. What about like testing scenarios? Do you guys think that's important at all in a bug bash? I don't think that I've seen a bug bash that had testing scenarios. It was just more like, hey, here's the feature. Find out what's wrong with it kind of thing. (laughs) I was very, very Wild Wild West, if you will. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see how bug bashes are ran with uh, testing scenarios and see uh, what are the differences and how are the findings found when using testing scenarios. I think testing scenarios are really helpful when you're doing QA work. I think that like trying to ramp up, I mean, it depends on who is participating in your bug bash. Trying to ramp up a bunch of non-technical people who haven't really done QA work before on how to write a testing scenario, I think is going to take up most of the time of the bug bash. So maybe that level of formality is not really justified. However, if you are an engineer, then I think writing a testing scenario is really helpful. Putting your thoughts down around what is the expected behavior and how you're going to verify it beforehand makes going through the testing process easier. And I think also provides you with reassurance that you're not crazy when you run into an intermittent bug or a bug with some slightly unexpected but still rationalizable behavior. I think also it generally makes for better bug reports if you do end up filing a bug report, including the test scenario. Right. You kind of get steps to reproduce for free out of that. Yeah. And expected an actual behavior is really critical for a bug report. Yeah. I think part of the thing that's exciting about a bug bash is like having people go a little bit off script and trying to like use the feature in a way that you didn't entirely anticipate. If you have testing scenarios, then that could be a good starting place for people to see how to interact with the software. But I think even if you had them, it's still good to go a little bit off script and try and probe at the the edges of the application. But if you don't have testing scenarios at all, and you have people who aren't like subject matter experts, it's probably good just to have a short overview of what the features are, what all the knobs and buttons and text inputs mean and what you're trying to get out of it. Yeah, I think having people record their screens when they find bugs is really helpful. If everybody has QuickTime or some kind of a video like screen recorder on their already installed, like if you have a Mac, QuickTime comes pre-installed. Oh, yeah? QuickTime? Oh, QuickTime, not QuickTime. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That could be really helpful for documenting the bug and verifying it's really a bug. Yeah. So kind of knowing exactly when you find a bug during a bug bash and having it documented correctly with test scenarios, hopefully with recorded video, you'll soon see those very same stories in your sprint, following sprint, I imagine. And engineers will get right to work and fixing those bugs. Bug batches are a lot of fun. I think like when you're with the team and kind of showing off the work that has been done for X amount of time. I imagine everyone feels really good when you're almost at the finish line and finishing all the critical bugs that may have appeared had the team not run the bug bash. 
Right. Yeah. It's definitely a good way to like celebrate something that's that's coming up and like build some anticipation in the company about what kind of cool features are rolling out to users. Get a good feeling about what you are rolling out that, you know, you can feel confident that it's a good quality product. So get out there, bash some bugs, make it happen, crush them. <laughs> smush it. Smush it. Exterminate. <laughs> Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole. 